Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. Yes, another weekend is upon us, and that means the weekend cannot start until... You hear the fifth hour with Ben Maller because, as we like to say, four hours are not enough. We do this eight days a week, eight days a week. This is a spinoff of the Overnight Show. You knew that already, right? And we thank you. Although I am told by some that they listen to this podcast and not the radio show, which is mildly offensive, which is mildly offensive. And you can get this podcast, as you've already found out, anywhere, anywhere you get podcasts. It's part of the iHeart Podcast Network, but it's available on all of the platforms. And if you want to send a uh, hello to me, you can contact me on all the social media channels at Ben Maller, at Ben Maller on Twitter, Instagram, Ben Maller on Fox, Facebook, Ben Maller Show. And if you're a super duper P1 in the Maller Militia, you can reach out to me on Cameo and get a personalized video message and you know, birthdays, weddings, bar mitzvahs, or you just want a positive note. Any of those things, you can reach me on Cameo.com. It's not free, but it's not that much. Uh, just search my name, Cameo.com and uh, Ben Maller. And so this is an interview podcast, an interview podcast. And you know what that means? That means not a lot of me BSing. I welcome, and this is a return engagement to the Fifth Hour Podcast, one of my old grizzled radio veterans, uh, the man who has been in the Sports Talk Radio Wars. I actually did a show with this guy in my early days in the radio business, but I've known him way before that. Uh, He's done political talk radio. He's done a lot of sports talk. He's been in Philly and Los Angeles and other cities around the country working in the radio industry. He hosted Clipper post-game coverage and pre-game coverage for years. And he also, as I said, did some political radio at big talk stations like KFI and KABC in Los Angeles. And so uh, welcome in. We'll we'll give it up here for Lee Klein. And Lee, I, I want to start here 
Uh, we're going to go down and, and do some confrontations with athletes and players here, kind of a theme of the podcast. And why don't we start with Hall of Fame coach Bill Fitch. And it was at a Clipper media game event uh, years and years ago. We were all playing basketball. Bill Fitch, the Hall of Fame coach, was coaching us. You can verify many of the stories that I have told on the radio over the years about random people. And Bill Fitch, Hall of Fame basketball coach, he coached the Boston Celtics, the Houston Rockets. But at the end of his career, he coached the Clippers. And Bill Fitch was the coach of a media basketball game that we both played in. And do you remember what Bill Fitch said about me? Who can ever forget that? It was... uh... In Irvine, at, at uh, University of California, Irvine, at their gym. And Norm Peters was there along with you and I. And Bill Fitch, you were so out of breath at this moment of time. Your face was beet red, sweat pouring profusely out of every single pore of your body. Blew the whistle. You were standing next to him. I was standing next to you, and Norm was on the other side. And Bill Fitch looked at you, and he said, and I quote, you are the worst basketball player I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is a ringing endorsement. And uh, and I, I got to tell you, now, I loved Bill Fitch. Bill Fitch was awesome. Uh, and, he's, and he's still around. He's, he's in his 80s here. But that, that was the greatest endorsement I had ever gotten, Lee, from uh, someone in sports of my athletic prowess there. And you got to remember, this was, when I, this was before I lost the weight. I was uh, huffing and puffing. And uh, as you said, I, I, I've always been a prolific sweater. I've had the ability to sweat. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, the, the other problem there is that we were, we were covering L.A. Clipper training camp at the Brent Event Center, as I don't know if it's still called that, but in Irvine, uh, and so Bill Fitch, you know, we we I don't think any of us anticipated that we were going to be asked to play in a media basketball clinic with Bill Fitch as the coach and all that. It just kind of happened, as I remember it. I don't remember them saying, "Hey, we're going to be playing basketball at the end of the open of training camp." I don't recall that, uh, and it happened. I also like to point out, Lee, that. You know, while I was the worst of the worst, uh, I believe Bill Fitch also pointed something out that y- you were you were not great either, and that the other media people uh, who were playing that day uh, were all a bunch of slubs, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. But keep in mind something, and this is for the audience, not for you. The basketball team, the Clippers, had about twenty guys because this is training camp before the cuts came. They were watching this. And most likely, as horrible as the Clippers were every year in those years, they probably were looking at us and saying, this is the only team we can beat all season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to point out, I, I, I told this to Coach Fitch uh, later on. You know, and He was only with the Clippers for a few years, and, uh, and I loved it. The team sucked, but he was fun, as we said. But he coached the Boston Celtics to an NBA championship and he had Larry Bird, he had McHale and Parrish, uh, and and corn and cornbread Maxwell uh, was was also Cedric Maxwell was on that team as well. So people think of that great Celtics team in the 1980s. Most people think of Casey Jones as the coach of those great Celtic teams in the 80s. But 
the first championship that group won was under the the tutelage of Bill Fitch with Red Arbach as the you know executive and the owner and all that. So I my my statement and I told Fitch this is that the greatest player you coached was was either Larry Bird with the Celtics or he was with Houston and and they got to the finals and lost with he had Elijah on. So it was one of those two. But the worst player, there is no debate. There is no debate, Lee, and you heard it, and that's why I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast again is because Bill Fitch mm-hmm. confirmed all those he coached in the NBA from 1970 to 1998. I mean, it, the guy coached all over the place, and, uh, and I'm the worst player. I'm the worst player, Lee. So I, I take that as a badge of honor, a feather in my cap. Uh, I certainly do. And he and, and it's not just that he coached some bad teams with the Nets also. Remember, he went to New Jersey before he went to the Clippers, and they were they were pretty lousy there also, as I remember. It, it also, can I add this? Two quick things. One, of all of the teams and the players that he coached in his long career, that's why he's in the NBA Hall of Fame, the, actually the college also, but if he had a gigantic list of every ball player he ever coached, yeah. You are last on that list, and Larry Bird's on the top. So you truly are on the same list. Yeah, because you, you you know, and you, you taught me this years ago, Lee, that you remember the very top and the very bottom. The, the middle kind of get lost, right? It gets lost. Like, it's the same concept in sports. You want to either be a championship contender or you want to be the worst team. You don't want to be like the 500 team. You don't want to be, you don't, right? Because I mean, nobody, no, seriously, right? I mean, who remembers average? Who remembers that? I just looked, by the way, Lee. I, I cheated here. Uh, Bill Fitch, his first year in the NBA uh, with the Cavaliers in 1970, there's a guy uh, that uh, has one of the great nicknames as a name. Bingo Smith played for the Cavaliers that year. The great Bingo Smith. And uh, <laughs> There were so many great names in the, in the 70s. He had the, the greatest of all time, World Be Free. But Bingo well, Smith. Well, he was a seventy. He was a Philadelphia seventy sixer. He played with the San Diego Clippers even before they moved to Los Angeles. But keep in mind, Bingo could be the first name above you on that list. <laughs> That's right. He might be just slightly, uh, slightly above. Uh, other well, this was not a great nickname, but uh, the the Clippers. You remember who they're when they were in Buffalo, the Buffalo Braves. Bob McAdoo, right, was their big star. Do you remember the time? I was doing radio locally in L.A. We had Bob McAdoo. I don't think you were with me that day. But we had Bob McAdoo on. He was an assistant for the Miami Heat, and and I was you know regaling him with stories about the Clippers because he he was at that time the clip. He led every uh, offensive category, not anymore, for the Clippers because of the Buffalo Braves connection, and he wanted nothing to do with the Clippers. Bob McAdoo, and he just wanted he wanted to distance himself like he was going away from hot lava, as uh, as I recall. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I, I want to move on, Lee. And, and, and another great you know story since we're we're going back, and we this is the theme of this podcast is like locker room confrontations. Locker I, room I, confrontations. I'm, I want to stop you for a second. I yeah. want to bring something up quick, and then you can bring up your next thing. Do you remember? When you and Dave Smith were doing the show together, and you called a hotel, and I believe he was a ball player, baseball player for the Houston Astros when they were in the uh, National League, and I, the name escapes me, but oh, he I, said I, I got, there was I got, a knock I, on the door, I'll be right back. Do you remember what I'm speaking of? 
Yeah, I, not only do I remember that, that's one of the great all-time, one of the reasons I hate interviews, and I you know, I don't do <laughs> interviews on the show, is because of this. I have PTSD. You are referring to a baseball player for the Astros in, uh, he played with a bunch of different teams, Derek Bell. Remember Derek Bell? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Derek, Derek yeah, Bell. And this is in the, you know, these, most of these stories are like in the 90s, but Derek Bell was playing for the Astros. They had the Killer Bees going on, and they were going to play the Dodgers, as I remember it, and we were doing a midday show. And mm-hmm. I, I also remember, the other thing I remember about that is we were on remote at a car rental place by LAX, um, and I forget which one, but there, I, I remember trying to do the show and every like two minutes, a plane was flying over our head to land at LAX and, uh, a lot of ambient noise there that, uh, that was like a degree of difficulty, but we had Derek Bell on and this was, you know, a guy that had uh, some big years in Houston was a key part of that Astro team that was pretty good. And so we had him on and, you know, he was nice enough. And then like, he, I guess somebody knocked on his door in the hotel, and he's like, hey, I'll be right back. And so we're like, okay. Um, and he put the phone down, and then he never came back. He just, I guess there was but some. The beauty, yeah. but, but the beauty was you kept holding on. You went through a commercial break. You kept on <laughs> holding on. You come back from a commercial break. You're still holding on for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and as I, you know, that's the technique I use, Lee, as you know, on the overnight show when someone falls asleep, I do the Derek Bell. I just keep going back to them. <laughs> I go back to them to see what they're they're doing. That, you know, that's my my mantra there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was one of the all time. That was only all time greats. Now, speaking of one of the all time greats, uh, this guy's also a Hall of Famer. It's a basketball Hall of Famer, play by play guy Ralph Lawler. And uh, you were there. You were a witness to one of the funniest things that has happened in my life. You can verify I'm not making this up. In fact, you kept this story alive for over 20 years. You kept this story alive, Lee. I am referring to the 1998 NBA draft. So we're going over 20 years back in the Wayback Machine. And And before you go any further, people... Every word is going to be absolutely <laughs> true. Not only am I going to verify it beforehand, I don't have to verify it when it's over. Whatever yeah. Ben says, I guarantee you it's going to be 100% truth. And you know you got to keep it clean, don't you? Well, no, I don't know. We're on the podcast. We have different regulations here on the podcast, but I think for Ralph, maybe we should keep it clean. Maybe for Ralph's sake, we should. We should. He's retired. He's retired now. But uh... be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So, and the great thing, my favorite part, I'm going to tell a story in a second. My favorite part is I have the reputation, Lee, of being like the Clippers Cabana boy, right? Like I'm, I'm in the tank for the Clippers and all that stuff, and I, and I do like uh-huh. the Clippers, and I want them to win. But you know, I like to, when they when they do something wrong, I point it out, and I I like to highlight that as well. I don't run away from that kind of stuff. When they, for example, when they choked against the Denver Nuggets, we we both were going back and forth. I wasn't on. Uh, we'll get to that. I mean, I wasn't on social media, but I was texting you as the implosion was happening. With the Clippers, we were we were going back and forth. And for those that didn't hear the Lee actually hosted you hosted post game Clipper talk, so you were around six the years. Team. I, I worked yeah. with Ralph for for uh, six seasons uh, in addition to my regular sports show. Uh, and what you're about to tell is one of the top three of all time, <laughs> if told properly. So go ahead and tell all the right. story. Well, now you're putting pressure on me. So uh, Ralph, is a, <laughs> Ralph is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. He, uh, as we said, retired. He's, I think he lives in Florida now. But my my computer-like mind, as Ralph would say, you know, bingo, holy smokes, uh, fasten your seatbelts. So the, the 1998 draft was perceived to not be a great draft. The idea was it was not a great draft. And the Clippers went out into left field and picked a guy from the University of the Pacific, which mm-hmm. most of your great players don't come from the University of the Pacific, which is in, I think, Stockton, uh, California. So there was a center named Michael Michael Candy, was the guy's name. And it was the, the debate was like between Candy, Mike Bibby, I think, was the other guy as I, I, I mm-hmm. kind of flash back. So it, there was the debate who to draft. And, of course, the Clippers in this era drafted the wrong guy, Michael Olacani. But at the time, I was doing the midday show, and I rem- I'll never forget, I went to 
the L.A. Convention Center, they were building Staples Center. They were building Staples Center. They had a gala news conference to welcome Michael Oluwa Candy to the Clippers, and he made all these bold statements about how he was, you know, because Shaq was the star for the Lakers, and they were, you know, it's a two-center town now with Candyman and all that. So, and then I watched him play like the first exhibition game, and I knew this guy was a stiff. I knew this guy was a dog with fleas, you know. And I and and very rarely, I think we can both agree on this, Lee. When you see someone, the first impression, you're very rarely that far off, you know. Like if you think, you know, very few times does someone come out and can't play, and then all of a sudden turn out to be great. It it happens, but it's very rare that it happens. Usually, your first impression is your your the correct impression. So I saw him play an exhibition game. He was terrible. So I went on the show, I was doing the midday show, and I took some shots at Michael Olocani and you know, another terrible draft by the Clippers. What were they thinking? Why'd they draft this guy? You know, that kind of stuff. And the Clippers later on, they they played like back in those days, they played like eight or nine exhibition games. They played a ton of them. And the Clippers were playing the Lakers. And this was obviously before Staples Center. It was in the bowels of the fabulous forum. And I had known Ralph. We had been out at the games for years, and uh, you were with me. And uh, Ralph approached me in one of the, the tunnels underneath the forum, and I think it was right near the, the media room where they serve that, uh, that beef with noodles all the, all the time. <laughs> it's like how, only th- by the way, how small was that compared to the one in Staples Center? Uh, as a closet. Uh, yeah, it was always uh, meat on top of noodles, or they had. They also had ravioli. Some, not, not ravioli it was uh, lasagna with uh, garlic bread. That was the two meals they served at the Forum in the media room. Uh, that I remember that, and I also remember Jack, would uh, the great actor, would come in there, Jack Nicholson, and he would come in there and have coffee uh, sometimes. Huh? He, he would come in there. But anyway, so I'm getting off the beaten tr- uh, track here. So Ralph approaches me. And he was very upset. He was very defensive of Michael Oluwakandi, the, the the center. And he said something that would follow him, at least with us, me, me, Lee, and Ralph, for over the next 20 years. It was a very uncomfortable wager that Ralph made. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, by the way... It still is. It's 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 a cold case. It's not closed yet. Is it, <laughs> it's not. No, it is not over. So uh, Ralph uh, was so convinced, and I love uh, Ralph for this. He was so convinced that Olawa Candy was going to be amazing. That Olawa Candy was going to be great. Uh, that he said, if as I remember it, he said something to the effect of Olawa Candy is not one of the top five centers and an all like an all-star level player within X number of years. I forget how many. It was in, within a couple years that he would um, go to center court at at the at the, uh, at the at the at the sports arena or the forum, and he would uh, pull my pants down. And uh, kiss my ass. I believe is is that. Am I correct here? I believe that's what he said. Right. That. Well, he might have no, said. That, no, no, that's not what he said. You're keeping it clean. Allow me without going overboard. Okay. All right. You you give the okay. uh, Lee version here. I, 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 okay. I the, the bet was the original bet was that if it didn't come true, he was betting you that if what he said wasn't true, he would get down on his knees and give you a blank blank. (laughs) And then I said, I want it at half court. 
And he <laughs> said, it's fine with me. So to this day, <laughs> Michael Ola Candy, over all of the years following, Ben and I would go over to the scorer's table before a game when they were setting up for Ralph to sit there and broadcast for the Clippers. And I would always say with Ben next to me, don't you owe him a bet right now? And his reply over every year, the hundreds of times we did this was, it, it isn't over yet, he's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was his reply. And then once he retired Olua Candy, and he retired like, oh man, probably 30, he stopped playing like 10, 12 years, something like that from where we are right now. He said, he kept saying, well, he could come back. He might, he, he, he might make he might make a comeback there. Uh, I think the bet is now. Olu Kenny is about to turn forty six years old. I think he's forty five, something like that, right now. And uh, uh, there is no there is no comeback, and there was no career. But is the he, cold case as I mentioned, and still. Yeah, Ralph well, Waller and, owes you a sexual favor, <laughs> and Olu Candy averaged less than 10 points and less than seven rebounds per game as the number one pick. Now, I went back. Do you remember who the Clippers? Now, I, I know doing the hindsight thing is always a dangerous deal, but who was in that draft? That was not supposed to be a great draft. Who the Clippers passed over, they passed over everyone. There are at least three Hall of Fame players who would be considered among the top 50 of the last 50 years of the NBA who played and were in that draft uh, that year. That was, let me give you the names here, Lee. The, this was Vince Carter, Vinsanity uh, was, was in that draft. Uh, how about Paul Pierce, the Celtic star who won a championship in Boston, and Dirk Nowitzki, who was not supposed to be good, as I remember. I remember he was a stiff his first year, but he turned out to be pretty good. Obviously, with the the Mavericks, so th there are th those are three bona fide studs that were in that draft, and the Clippers took Michael Olukandi. And the great thing about it is that th they weren't even considering any of those guys. The other option was like Mike Bibby. They weren't even considering any of the players that actually turned out to be good. They passed on all those other players. Do you know who else was in that draft? Uh, who? The, the, okay, he he went in the uh, in the second round. The new head coach of the Clippers, Tyron Lue. Oh, the great Ty Lue. Yeah. That's good. Well, he's he's the guy that Kawhi won. He's a championship coach, Lee. Yeah. I don't know how much I don't know how much he actually I don't know how much he actually coached, but yeah. There you go. The great uh, Ty Lue. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Woohoo! All right, so uh, that's one uh, Ralph. Uh, we have a bunch of Ralph Lawler uh, the stories that we can get. Uh, to, right? Yeah, we we shouldn't pick on him because out of love and respect, as he had for us, uh, we went through a lot of years with with Ralph, and he to this day, when you go to Staples Center, uh, in the whole history of the Clippers, meaning the Buffalo Braves moving to San Diego, and from that moment till today. Uh, Ralph Lawler, uh, up until he retired uh, a year ago, was the announcer for all of those years. And he, he, the Vin Scully, uh, 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 the Johnny Most of Boston, uh, so many years. And the yeah. Clippers, as you well know, do not have one banner for anybody or anything up there. Well, listen, the, the Clippers don't need banners. They've got memories. You don't need banners, right? The <laughs> banners get dusty and all that. And that, uh, When they build that new arena, which they're building right now in the hood in Inglewood, the Taj Mahal of the NBA, which they're building, hopefully by then when it's open, people will actually be able to go to the games again. But when they open that arena, I'm guessing Ralph's getting a statue, right? Or will that have been too far away from him calling the games? Because uh, – Chick Hearn has a statue. Bob Miller has right. one in L.A. I mean, I, I'm not a big statue guy, but if you're going to give someone from the Clipper past uh, a statue, if you're if you're going to get into the statue game, Ralph Lawler would have to to be there. And they, what they should do, and I say this with the greatest amount of respect, Lee, is what they should do with the Ralph statue is have him with his microphone. And they, they can have like a piece of paper with one of his end of the year monologues on it where the future is bright for the Clippers. Oh, uh, no, no, uh, don't go there. Don't go there. Please, I beg you, don't go there. Ralph was such, a, was such a homer that the Clippers would win 15 to 20 games every single year. 
You win 20 games, you lose 62. So that's how bad the Clippers were for so many of these years at the sports arena. And he would always, always, and we would laugh about it, at the end of the season, give his prediction for next year to wrap up the final game of the year. I like these Clippers. They have the number one draft choice coming up in May or June or whatever it would be. And they have the nucleus with, their, with, their, with Bill Fitch or Gene Shu, whoever the coach was. And the future looks awfully bright for this young team. I like what's coming next year. And get your tickets now. Season tickets are available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it was always like, they'll have a new or be like, they'll have a new coach, they'll make some trades, and they have a draft pick. You know, things are looking up. You know, that that same rah rah. It was great. And he had it down it to was, a science. He had it down to a science. Ralph had it down to a science by the end. I mean, there's so he many is, But he is deserving of a microphone banner or of a statue. And and it won't be at Staples Center because as you mentioned, the Clippers will be moving to a new arena whenever that's completed. And that are, that arena will be located right next to where the Rams' new uh, football field is. And, and so it'll be a sports conglomerate, sort of like what, what, what was years ago, uh, the racetrack and the forum next to each other at that time. But I, I'm, in all honesty, you and I both love Ralph very much. I know you do. He was always good and kind to us, and he was always a homer, and he was a prankster. And he's yet to pay off his debt. And as long as we both, all of us live and Ralph lives a long life, I will always remind him of that. Yeah, and I remember at the the last, when they when he was retiring and they had that gala ceremony. And uh, we yep. went over and you know, snapped some photos and all that. Uh, uh, we, we brought, you brought that up. You made sure to bring that up there. And, uh, and I also remember that you were so bad. You're very, one of your skills that you're not good at is taking photos. Remember, I had to, we had to redo the photo because I had you take a photo with me and Ralph, and then the the, <laughs> the angle was not the, the, the greatest angle there, Lee. Have you worked on that, by the way? Have you worked on your camera your camera skills? Have you? No? I, I, if you were here, I'd punch you in the nose. Right in the schnozzle? You, you right know, there? You, yeah. see, people, tell everybody how tall you are. Yeah, I'm like 5'10", you know, something like that. Yeah. Come on. Tell them how tall you are. <laughs> I'm uh, six five six six. If I stand up with good okay. posture, something like that. All right. Imagine with your cell phone taking a photo, and you got to stand close. And he's six foot five, and the other person is five foot ten. You got to go back. You got to keep on going back to get him uh, to get bent in the entire photo from his shoes to the top of his head. If I went any further back, I'd be out of Staples Center. So yeah. I had to take the best that I possibly could chopping off as little as I could to take this photo. And this man is criticizing me for doing this? Please, why don't you take a selfie, moron? Then you just have two faces. Wow. Does the defense rest now, Lee? Uh, you have no further questions, yeah. Your Honor? Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> we you wanna, you to wanna, the jury. <laughs> you want to you call in any expert witnesses or anything like that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't need forensics. It's okay. All right. Uh, very, very good. Uh, now, since there's a theme here, we're doing the Clippers. And uh, one of the all-time iconic names of the Clippers, this is before my time a little bit. I was uh, just a fan when he played. Benoit Benjamin. Benoit Benjamin. Oh, and, man. And, and we we had – now, I, I dealt with Benoit a little bit. He was still in the NBA when I started in the media business, but he was not with the Clippers anymore. But we we have some legendary – uh, uh, confrontations and run-ins 
with Benoit. I think the first time we had you on the podcast, you I think we touched on it. I don't remember, but the uh, the I'm almost positive we did. But the interaction with you and Benoit, he had hired Don King as his agent. He was actually out of the NBA for a little bit. And he was in he, Europe. He played in Europe at that time. Yeah, yeah, and the the, the legendary story, the, one of the great Lee Klein stories of all time, is when you asked Benoit Benjamin a question about life <laughs> in Europe, and right. but Benoit gave you one of the great answers of all time. Uh, I noticed that he was there. I hadn't seen him in years. Uh, I and by the way, you, if you were talking about Michael Olowa Candy as the number one draft pick of nineteen ninety eight. If there was anybody on the Clippers as a center that could make Benoit Benjamin look like an all-star Hall of Famer, it was Michael Olo Candy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Olo Candy was a a total stip. And Benoit, he was the third pick in the draft. Uh, Right. You know, if you play that game, that was the Carl. They could have had Carl Malone or Joe Dumars or somebody like that, and they picked Benoit Benjamin. The pride of Creighton, but well, so you you you, you, you asked you asked Benoit about where you know he had been in Europe and all that, and he gave you right. great answers. Okay. Well, I asked him. No, no, wait, wait, hold on. The first thing I said was hello. He recognized me, and he was with his wife. Now here's a guy that's seven foot one or seven foot two, and his wife was about five foot one, and uh, nice lady. Okay, and yeah. there's a little crowd around us, and he sees me. I see him. I walked over. I shook his hand, and where you been, Benoit? Uh, Europe. You've been playing in Europe, huh? Yeah. Where did you play? Uh, I was playing in Europe. No, no, no. Where were you playing in Europe? All over. No, no, no. no. Okay. Name some cities that you played in. Okay. That's how it got this way. And when I asked them to name some cities, this is the reply first off. Uh, the cities, uh, Germany, Spain. <laughs> He's reading off countries, not even cities, right? So I decided to abandon that avenue of conversation immediately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, out of the clear blue, he looks at me and he says, do you know any NBA team that's looking for a center? <laughs> like, I'm his agent, okay? And I'm thinking, huh, what? And I immediately dashed over to where you were, and I begged you, whoever you were talking to, come with me, come with me. And I schlepped you by the, by the arm to run over to Benoit. And then I said to Benoit, Benoit, this is Ben Maller. Hello, hello. <laughs> Ask him the same question you asked me. And he says, do you know any NBA teams that need a center? <laughs> so we became, at that moment, his agent for looking for any team that needed not just the center, but Benoit Benjamin, who had been out of the NBA for at least two or more years, not yeah. a celebrity star to say the least, yeah, looking to, at us to get him a job. Uh, it was outstanding. Uh, we became scouts. We were NBA scouts. At that moment, Lee, we were scouts. We were trying <laughs> to figure out where to put Benoit. And so when people say, hey, you know, I give advice, they rip me out, you're giving advice to these NBA teams. I've had NBA players ask for advice, and you're a witness to it. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you told me uh, that story. The other Benoit story that I wanted to mention for the purposes of this podcast was when he was briefly with the Vancouver Grizzlies. The Clippers in those days were playing, they played a few games at the Pond in Anaheim 
which has a, a different corporate name now, but where the Mighty Ducks play. And the Clippers were trying to get a fan base. They were trying to cultivate a fan base in Orange County. So that's not really the story. They played in Orange County. I'm an Orange County guy, so I always made sure to go to those games. And I had to do anyway for work. And so it, it had been a tradition. Benoit played with the Clippers until like the early 90s, like the beginning of the 90s. And every time he came back, he played like another 10 years off and on. But every time he came back to the sports arena or played the Clippers, the the few Clipper loyal loyal fans that they had would always boo Benoit. It's a tradition. And so I was covering a game. He was playing for the Vancouver Grizzlies at the time. I don't think he played very long for the Vancouver Grizzlies, as I remember. But he played in Vancouver. They were playing the Clippers in Anaheim. And it might have even been an exhibition game. I don't recall. It was early no, in the season. No, 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 no. This was what? a real game. This was not okay. an exhibition right. game. This was a regular scheduled game that went from the sports arena because they would play about eight games a year, which is now called the Honda Center, as their home court because Donald Sterling was thinking maybe, maybe we can move to the pond and get out of the sports arena. So that he was testing the waters, and for two years, they, they played uh, uh, almost every team in the West one game at, at the, what is now the Honda Center down in Anaheim. So that was a regular season game. All right, so it was a regular season game. Uh, fine. Uh, so they're playing Vancouver, and I think Vancouver had like Byron Scott or something. It was, it was a weird hodgepodge Vancouver team. Uh, that that might have been the either the expansion year or right after. But anyway... So Benoit's there, and we had the idea, you know, we knew Benoit was going to get booed, so I was trying to get some sound of what Benoit thought about being booed before he actually got booed. So we went into the locker room. I was with uh, Dave Palais, San Diego radio legend Dave Palais, who does his own podcast. And so we went in to interview Benoit and asked him, you know, what's it? I forget exactly what the question was. It was something like, you know, can you believe after all these years the fans are still you know still booing you every time you play the Clippers? Something along those lines. I, I didn't phrase it exactly like that, but something along those lines. And Benoit, the the two things I remember is he started out fine, but he was chewing gum, and no one chews gum quite like Benoit Benjamin, uh, <laughs> right? I mean, this guy he should teach a master class on how to chew bubble gum. Uh, just very. In your face, like just the oh my god. Anyway, so he was doing that, and he started out fine. You know, he gave some, as I remember the answer. We have the audio; I have it on a cassette tape somewhere. But Benoit started out okay. You know, he's had a career. You know, he's okay with that. You know, fans can do what they want. And as he starts giving the answer, he starts working himself into a lather, getting upset with people booing him. And then he, I remember the body language. He starts punching his fist into his hand. He takes his right fist. I don't know if you can hear that. Like that. I heard it. I heard yeah, it. He starts punching his hand and then he gave one of the great great uh, speeches at the end of that. He said, "I will take on anyone on any court in the United States or Canada and I'll kick their ass." Uh and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he but he went on this legendary rant and it was it was hilarious, and I ran. I remember running. I said, and I was a big fat guy. I couldn't run that fast, but I, I had to play the tape for you. I had to play the audio for you, Lee, because it was an amazing uh, clip. You of are audio. absolutely correct. He also he also mentioned in that because you came running out just as you said. 
I was standing near the locker room. He ran right over to me like, whoa, like overwhelmingly running right at me. And they, hear this. You got to hear this. You got, and you played the tape for me. And in that tape, when he was pounding his fist, I'll take on the fans. I'll, he also mentioned I'll take on the media. <laughs> yeah, the media. That's right. I forgot about that. The, oh, man. That is outstanding. Hey, I looked it up. That was the 1995 Vancouver Grizzlies. You want to take a guess? How many players can you name on the 1995 Vancouver Grizzlies? Probably none. Right? <laughs> uh, I, I would say zero. It wasn't that long after that they wound up moving to Memphis, right? Uh, they had, well, yeah, they were only in Vancouver for a couple years. They had the great Blue Edwards. I remember him from the Utah Jazz. He was on that team. Greg Anthony, whose kid, Cole Anthony, was just drafted by the Orlando Magic this week. He was on that mm-hmm. team. Uh, Derek Martin, our buddy Derek Martin, who was who played with the Clippers later on. Big Country Bryant Reeves. Uh, he was on oh that team. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, name I haven't heard in 25 years. He was a rookie. Byron Scott was on that team at the end of his career. Gerald Wilkins. Remember, he was a pretty good player, Gerald Wilkins. Is the, he had a the, long career. Yes, he, he did. He was the brother of Dominique, right? I think you were correct. The, yeah, he had a, uh, a good career. There you go. Boy, this podcast is reaching a new low. Lee. We're doing, we're doing Vancouver Grizzly, <laughs> Vancouver Grizzly. Well, all right. Well, all right. All right, all right. So let, let me switch this up. Maybe you do not remember this because I've never talked to you about this. You and I have seen hundreds upon hundreds of games together at Dodger Stadium. The Angel games, Laker games, Clipper yeah. games. It's, it surpasses well into the hundreds together. Yeah. There was also, if you remember, during that great run of USC between 2002 and 2009, we used to go to the USC games on a Saturday, remember? Yes, every uh, Saturday for years. They, they were bad when I started going, and then we were fortunate enough to go during the glory days of Pete Carroll and how they were wonderful, and they were the, the, like an NFL team for a couple of years. Well, there's two stories in particular. One of them you may not remember. The other one you will. The first one is, in order to get uh, uh, a press pass, you had to call the athletic office in order for them to send it to you. Remember? Yes. Yes. And you would get, and you would get it usually in the mail or something of that nature. They send it to the radio station and you somehow wangled that you always got a parking pass along with your press pass to get into the game. I was at that time. I never got a, I got a, a press pass, but I never got the car pass. So there were games where we were actually together in the same car going to the Coliseum. In one particular instance, for some reason, I did not get my media pass to get into the game. But that didn't stop me because I was told that uh, they had either forgotten, but it's okay to come or whatever. So I do not have a pass, but Ben has a pass and a parking pass. So we parked our car, and at that time, they had the beginning of that underground parking where they first opened up, so we parked the car. We walked all the way around, halfway around the Coliseum to go where the press entrance is, and you were the only one who had a big red pass, this big thing, and I was at that time smoking cigarettes. So I had an empty Marlboro box, not the pack, but a box, and I said to you, because you had to take the elevator all the way to the top. And we're standing by the elevator, and you can't get into the elevator without a pass. So Ben could go in, and I couldn't. 
So I said to Ben, when you get upstairs, walk over to the edge above and put your pass into the Marlboro box and throw it all the way down to me. I'll go in. <laughs> now, the, the press box at, at the Coliseum is at the very, very top of the Coliseum. So when you walk out the side door of the press box, you are above every fan in the Coliseum. There is no place to stand higher than where you are. There's nobody that is above you, and there is a cement wall at the tippy top of the Coliseum. I'm way down there, you know, 20 yards away, at least 30 yards away, down below. And then did what he did. He folded it in half, stuffed it into the Marlboro box, and tossed the Marlboro box down, and it landed between, on the ground, it landed between the Coliseum cement down at the bottom and a row of hedges. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go through hedges that had no cut through to bend over and pick it up, and I finally went in. And then, tell them, other than watching the game at that height with binoculars in the press box, the main reason we both went was, what did they serve in those days? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I until you had just mentioned that story, I would begin by saying I didn't even remember it. But then you started talking about it. And I do remember. I remember uh, that. I remember also having to, like, pick you up at some shady uh, parking lot in the wrong part of town <laughs> to go. We'd leave your car and then we'd drive in carpool into the Coliseum and uh, and all that. But, yeah, in those days, and they don't do this anymore. Now they give you, like, a turkey sandwich and, and, and an apple. But in the old days, they had a, a, a chef, like you'd see at a fine, like a Lowry steak place with one of those right. chef hats on and a big carving knife, and they had – one side they had prime rib and they had turkey, and it was amazing. It was um, just the most amazing. And the media would just go out like us just to eat. The team wasn't that good. They they had been good before, but they were kind of going through a lull. And so, oh my God, that was amazing. And I was that was my big eating days, Lee. I love that. That was oh, it's great, wonderful. And, and they even and they had better than Dodger Stadium Dodger dogs. They had great hot dogs at halftime too. Yeah. Well, we could do a different – we'll have to have you back a, another time, Lee, just to talk about the food that we consumed, the mass amount of food. But you never gained weight. You're very, you've are very. you always been pretty lean, and I'm the one that gained the weight eating all the food. So you survived not being able to gain weight. Which, What is your secret? Is it your genetics? I mean, because you didn't really gain any weight despite eating the same crap. I ate a little more than you, but you still ate a lot of bad food those days. I, I would say I credit bulimia. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, last thing here, Lee, and then we'll let you out of here. We'll, we'll free you from the shackles of the podcast no, world. No, no, no. What? I got one, and then, okay. and then you'll do the last one. All right. Another All right. instance. Another instance. You know how crowded it was in those days when they got good that these games started thanks to ABC either at 4.30, 5 o'clock, 12.30, they arranged the times because USC was number one in the nation. They would always have them televised on ABC National Television, and television controls the start time. There's this afternoon game, and the traffic is so horrible around the, uh, uh, the, the Coliseum. It's downtown, just a little south of downtown Los Angeles. It is horrendous. And so you have to follow what the police are directing traffic in the handful of streets in order for you to find a parking spot. 
Do you remember the time where the cop, and it wasn't a real cop, it was just somebody that was hired to direct traffic, asked you to pull forward, but you couldn't pull any forward because you were gridlocked crossing over Figueroa to go into the tunnel to the parking and couldn't move, the lights had changed, and you're in the middle blocking, gridlocking traffic going north-south because you're facing east-west, right in the middle of the street. You remember that? I do, and you remember what was said to me after that? You remember what was said, as I recall? as They, they asked me to block the intersection, and then, as I remember, didn't they get upset with me for blocking the intersection? They were yelling at you. It was a, it was a female, yeah. and she was yelling at you because you were driving, and she was on your side. And I yelled at her how stupid she is. You're blocking traffic. Why did you pull us forward? Because she was blaming you for blocking traffic, although she's the one who put you there. I know. It was outstanding incompetence. It was outstanding incompetence. Well, and you, let me tell you, I got, not only did you get me in trouble, the late Alex Russo, my, my guy Alex, double overtime Alex, he got me in trouble too. I was driving him to a game one time, and the same thing happened. We got stuck. They wouldn't let us enter where we needed to enter. There was like one spot we could enter into the parking lot. They wouldn't let us. It was blocked off. So we kept driving in circles. And uh, and then finally, Alex, the, like the fourth time we drove around the block trying to get in where we needed to go, uh, he he then rolled down the window and started yelling at the uh, traffic cop. That and then and I'm like, Alex, they have my license plate. What are you doing? You, I said the same thing to you too, by the way. But uh, anyway, all right, last story here. Now I told this story on the air last week uh, on the podcast. I, I ranted about it, and I you were there. You were part of this. It was one of the great nights. It's, it's in the top five nights I've had dealing with somebody in sports. We had dinner with Tommy Heinsohn, who just passed away recently. Oh, the, the, the great, oh the great, the it great was Celtic. New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve, and you were at the table, and, and, uh, and Tommy just started regaling us with these amazing stories that we had not heard before about the early days in Boston, and uh, it was an awesome conversation and uh, one of the all-time greats Tommy had so much personality and he just kind of started casually and my favorite part of that there were a couple of parts I mentioned it on the on the podcast last week remember when he said that Pat Riley ripped off what the Celtics had done when he came to the Lakers and was coaching the Lakers and all that I, I thought uh, that he, was he, yeah, it, Tommy Heinsohn for those that don't know who he was he did pass away about a week or so an NBA Hall of Famer Seven or eight rings because he played with Bill Russell and that incredibly great when they won uh, 10 of 11 championships, 10 uh, out of 11 years, 10 championships. Uh, a broadcaster back in New England for the Celtics, color man for years. You and I both knew he hated the referees, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was. It was legendary. His rants about the referees on uh, on Celtics on air. But, he did, but, he but did I, on TV. But and, I, I, and so I, I, we knew I, who but, he was. I grew up knowing who he was as a great basketball player. And there we are on New Year's Eve, sitting down, Ben and I, and maybe two other people. And Tommy Heinsohn had the chair. He was talking for, to us for almost an hour. Remember what he said about Walter McCarty? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I it said it last week, but he he was so excited because they actually the Celtics at that time were pretty dull and they were a boring team, and that Walter was actually one of the guys that, as I think he said something. I'm paraphrasing that he moved around and the other guys just stood around, right? Something like that along those lines. And, and Walter had just been uh, 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 put on the roster of the Clippers as a bench player. 
Yeah, he was at the end of his career, and uh, he wasn't uh, wasn't exactly playing much a- at all. But uh, yeah, that was that was. And he, I remember he told the story. I forget exactly what he had said, uh, Tommy, about trying to get people in Boston and New England to play basketball, and it was a it had some issues there trying to get basketball to become a popular sport. This is back in his early days uh, with the the Celtics and, and Red Arbach and all that. But it was, a, it was a great night. Do you have anything to promote, Lee? Do you have a book? Do you have a podcast? Do you have anything you would like to promote? Would you like to promote uh, where you're going yes, to be I'm, having I'm, lunch? I'm, I'm, in the middle, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book called This Is Not a Book. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, <laughs> I, I am doing, you know me personally, what's going on in my life, which I don't want to discuss, which is not negative, yeah. uh, awaiting the arrival not, uh, and not necessarily of a child. There's a great uh, mitzvah. Course, There's a great mitzvah it, it, coming it, your way. Yes. If I was awaiting the arrival of a child, I would congratulate myself at my age being able to even do that. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I'm making the days under COVID go by as quickly as possible. Um, I, I, I do know that there are so many stories that you and I haven't even discussed or remembered uh, one by one. When you did the remote, from from the from, from Sprint in Santa Monica, that's one. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to go on with. There's another podcast in the future that we can discuss other yeah, things yeah, with. Yeah. Uh, we we hit on the Clippers, but we haven't even touched the Dodgers. We haven't touched about Matt Williams. Do I have to yeah, even bring yeah, that name yeah, up yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah. We have another. I, I we've had so many lock. I've I've had with you a locker room confrontations with old athletes. We could do. We'll do. We'll have you on again. You'll be a rotating guest, Lee. So I'd like you to. Uh, not that we pay you, and not that you're going to get any money out of this, but but we do thank you. And you want to give out your email? If people want to contact you, Lee. Some of the old time listeners from back in the day uh, who are finding this podcast. Well, well, I want to thank the people that listen to your podcast. I know there's quite a few. I've listened to them myself. And when I gave out my email address about two months ago when we did our last one, I actually got two people, two people that emailed me. So if those that remember me from either uh, from uh, being uh, doing my regular sports show for three hours a night in Los Angeles for a million years or from the Clippers or anything of that nature, you can get a hold of me by just emailing me at clippersman, that's plural, clippersman, at yahoo.com, and I'll be more than happy to answer you. So I appreciate yeah. you asking me for that, and, and, and how's everything in your life going? Oh, Lee, I'm doing podcasting. I'm at the top of my life. No, everything's good. Everything's good. We'll, we'll catch up. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate it. You stay well, stay healthy, and say hello to your wife and family for me. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. 
And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.